Welcome to Equipping the Body. I'm Dr. Brad Starnes, and today we continue our walk through the book of Luke, and we are coming towards the end of Luke chapter 4, picking up in verse 40. Before we do, I want to introduce our subject a little bit. Jesus came to this world not by accident or coincidence, but he was sent by the Father with a purpose. Everything he said or did was in correlation to that purpose. He did not waste time or physical energy on anything apart from that purpose. The master was sent on a mission, and that mission mattered most to him. In Luke 4, 40-44, we find a glimpse of a day in the life of Jesus. In this day, he maintained his priority. He sustained pressure from the people. Yet in all of this, he fixated on his purpose and never lost sight of it. As believers in Christ, we are the body of Christ. Similar to him, we have a priority that must be maintained. We will sustain pressure from people. But we must fixate on our purpose in spite of all that. Now, this begs the question, what is our priority? What is the pressure and what is the purpose upon which we must fixate? All of this is answered in our text today because as our Christ was, we too are sent into this world for a purpose, and everything must be done and said in view of that divine purpose. In this day in the life of Jesus, we will note the following. Jesus maintained a priority of prayer. Second, Jesus sustained pressure from people. And third, Jesus fixated on his purpose. If I had to title the message, it would be this, Priority, Pressure, and Purpose, A Day in the Life of Jesus. Now, we begin reading in verse number 40 of Luke chapter 4. When the sun was setting, all those who who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out, saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God, and he rebuking them did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. And so the first thing we notice in verse uh, 42, and I'll mention verse 40 and 41, they kind of set the background, but the first thing we mention is Jesus maintained his priority. What do I mean by his priority? What was his priority and how did he maintain it? Well, verse 42 says when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. While Luke does not explicitly give us the nature of his priority, Mark does in the same account. Mark writes, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. So Mark fills in the blanks for us. And remember, the best commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Scripture must be measured with Scripture. And so Jesus maintained his priority of prayer. So the nature of his priority was prayer. Jesus' habit all throughout the Scripture was to start his day in prayer with God. Now, what of this prayer? Well, first of all, it was private. Luke writes that he went into a deserted place. He desired to be alone with God with no distractions, no other people, but to pour out his heart to his Father. This priority of private prayer was Jesus' common practice. So before I go any further, Jesus maintained his priority of prayer. 
All throughout the scripture, we find over and over and over again, Jesus praying, Jesus praying, Jesus going by himself to pray, departing into a deserted place to pray. So his prayer was to be private, but it was also his common practice. It wasn't a one and done, we'll see how it works out. It was over and over. It was persistent repetition. It was continual. And that should be the nature of our prayer, that we should have private prayer, but that prayer should be our common practice, for it is our priority. I can do nothing apart from prayer, because prayer brings me into communion with God. And by default, Jesus, because Jesus is God. And as Jesus said to the disciples, abide in me, apart from me, ye can do nothing. So the priority of private prayer was his practice. In fact, Luke 5.16 tells us, So he himself often withdrew until the wilderness and prayed. You know what the word often means? It means he did it all the time. Like anyone else, Jesus knew that prayer would be a ineffective when there are distractions and other people around. He maintained a priority of private prayer. Secondly, this prayer was personal. This was not corporate prayer, which has its own place. Now, we do uh, use corporate prayer when we pray together as a church, and that's good, that's right, that's what we should do, but that's not what this text is about. This text is, text is about personal prayer. And if you're relying on the corporate prayer in your worship services to fulfill your prayer life, you are going to come up woefully short and woefully weak. Think about it. Prayer is to the Christian as food is to the body. Now, if you only ate once a week, you're going to be sick. And so we need to have a practice of personal, private prayer. And that must be a priority, as it was in the life of Jesus. And Jesus maintained his priority. In Matthew 6, 6, Jesus said, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Without prayer, we are weak, we are tempted, we are prone to wander from the Lord and inevitably fall into sin. For this reason, Jesus not only instructed his followers to maintain a priority of private personal prayer, but he modeled it for us as well. So in Luke, we see him doing this, but in Matthew, he told us to do this. And so let me ask you a question. If Jesus had to pray, how much more do we have to pray? He modeled this throughout his ministry. In Luke 4.42, uh, we see Jesus maintained his priority of prayer that I've just read to you. But also, he did the same thing throughout his ministry. Matthew tells us shortly before his arrest that Jesus went with the disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane and then went a little further by himself for personal private prayer. Matthew 26.36 states this. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. Then in verse 39 of the same chapter, we read, He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed. <clears throat> with this in mind, how are you doing in that department? How is prayer a priority in your life as it was in Jesus? Do you begin your day in a rush, or do you set aside time each day to get along with God in personal and private prayer? Is that your priority, or does it fall to the bottom of the list? I read this saying one time about making prayer a priority. 
One does not play the instrument before tuning it. Neither should we begin our day without prayer. You have the instruction from Jesus. You have Jesus' example. Jesus never commanded us to do something that he himself did not already do or was willing to do. So if Jesus needed to pray, we need to pray. Not only did Jesus maintain his priority of private personal prayer, and it was his practice, but in verse 42b, Jesus sustained pressure from the people. What do I mean by this? Well, in verse 42, and the crowd sought him, came to him, and tried to keep him from leaving them. He was sustaining pressure from the people to stay. Not only to stay, but what was the nature of their pressure? It was pressure to perform. Because remember, in verses 40 and 41, Jesus spent the entire previous day well on into the night performing miracles by healing the sick, casting out demons. Therefore, the people began to pressure him to perform. Give us more of this. Give us more of that. Now, do we not all, in a much different context, of course, experience this same pressure to perform by the people around us? We're bombarded with others asking us to do this or to do that. Now, these pressures in and of themselves are not wrong. Jesus did heal the sick. He did cast out demons, and those things were good. But what Jesus was about to reveal to the people that despite the pressure to perform, he came for a purpose. The miracles were great, but they were not the sole purpose for which he came. He did not come simply to perform miracles, but to provide his life on Calvary. And thus preach the gospel of the kingdom. That was his purpose per his own lips. As we'll see in the next verse. And so what I want to say to you is this. We will all sustain pressure from people to perform. And it will often get in the way of our priority of prayer. And our purpose of spreading and propagating the gospel. And so when your priority meets your pressures. You must fixate on your purpose ladies and gentlemen you're here for no other reason than this to know god and to make him known you're not here to build a successful career you're not here to eat drink and be merry you're not here to build this or to do that all of that is secondary you were created in the image of god to worship him to glorify him and to tell others about him your purpose is the gospel if you're not living in that purpose you are not living a life in submission to his dominion and many, 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 many Christians have dropped the priority of prayer, have acquiesced to the pressure of people to perform, whether good or bad or indifferent, and have completely forgotten their purpose. And so Jesus sustained pressure from the people to perform, yet in all of that, in verse 43, Jesus fixated on his purpose. Now we noted that Jesus maintained a priority of prayer, although he sustained pressure from the people to perform. So what did Jesus do when the pressures of the people interrupted his priority? He fixated on his purpose. You see, the people desired more miracles. They wanted Jesus to perform more and more. However, that was not his true purpose. So we've come to verses 43 through 44. But he said to them, I must 
preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. His purpose was tied up in the preaching of God's word. And then it says, and he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So Jesus does not reprimand them for desiring his presence or his performance. Those things were not wrong in and of themselves, but they were pointless in light of the purpose. For what did it matter to cure a sick person and fail to share the gospel? For if he healed the sick and did not preach or go near the cross, then he simply denied the damnation that was inevitable as opposed to destroying it. What good is it to cast out a demon and the Holy Spirit not take its place? If he went around casting out demons but never died on the cross, rose again, ascended, and sent the Holy Spirit, then those people would just be apt and susceptible to be possessed again. Jesus taught that. You say, where did he teach that? I'm glad you asked. Luke 11, 24 through 26, Jesus teaching the disciples says this, When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places, seeking rest, finding none. He says, I'll return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. So ultimately, if Jesus simply cast out demons but failed to preach the kingdom, which involved dying on the cross and sending the Holy Spirit to indwell believers, then the casting out of demons would have been pointless. The healing of the sick would have been pointless because if he cast out every demon, healed every sick person, but never preached the kingdom, which again evolves not only his preaching, but his dying on the cross, then those same people are susceptible to be indwelled again and probably worse for it. And so while Jesus did heal the sick and cast out demons, those were not really his purpose. And that's what the charismatic movement has missed. First of all, the miracles died with the apostles, and I'm not going to get into cessation versus continuationism. That's a different sermon for a different day. But even if they were continuing, those weren't the purpose. What good does it do to heal a sick person if he dies and goes to hell? The purpose of Jesus was preaching the gospel. He said that. I didn't put those words in his mouth. That's what he said. He came for the cross. Ladies and gentlemen, the manger lay in the shadow of the cross. While I realize that we're not Jesus, this point is still applicable to us as Christians by the way of principle. For how many times, especially in churches, do we get caught up in side issues and the programs and the suppers and the fun days, all of which are great, but we miss our actual purpose. Sometimes because we face pressure to perform from those who do not truly understand what a church is even supposed to be or do. Now again, Jesus never reprimanded the people for pressuring him to perform these things because these things were not wrong, but they were not the purpose. The main thing must be kept the main thing, and the main thing is the gospel. Jesus proclaimed his purpose was the preaching of the kingdom of God. He could not be distracted by side things and lose sight of the main thing. And what you'll find is throughout the Gospels, this pattern is repeated. This is the day in the life of Jesus. He maintains a priority. He sustains pressure. But in all that, he fixates on a purpose. And that purpose was on Golgotha. When God incarnate would stand between heaven and hell 
stretch out his arms, atone for the sin of every man and woman and boy and girl that will believe and repent, appease the fiery hot wrath of a mighty God, and destroy the works of the devil. That was his purpose, so he said himself. I've titled this series, Luke, The Real Jesus, because we have so many people that are believing in a Jesus that doesn't exist because they base what who Jesus is, what he said, and all that off of what they heard or tradition or what they think when they should define Jesus according to what he actually said and actually did, and that's found in the Word of God, the Bible, the book. So don't come to me, well, I think Jesus, I don't care what you think. What did he actually say? Take the man at his word. A day in the life of Jesus. As believers, we must remember that his priority should be our priority. If Jesus needed to pray, then we really need to pray. If the Son of God, and consequently God the Son, had to ring the bells of heaven, then we ought to blast the horn of heaven. Paul knew as much when he said in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Secondly, we face pressure to perform even inside the church. Sure we do. Is the pressure itself wrong? Not necessarily. But if it distracts from the purpose, then junk it. Finally, we have the same purpose Jesus speaks of here. How do I know that? Because before Jesus ascended, he gave one last order. And I want you to read it. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. There you have it. In our daily lives, just like our Lord and Savior, we have a priority to maintain prayer. We will sustain pressure from people to perform good, bad, and indifferent. But above all, we must fixate on our purpose to preach, proclaim, and propagate the kingdom of God. Priority, pressure, and purpose. A day in the life of Jesus.